Jim Newsom, and this is Truth and the Word on Biblical News Report Talk Radio, the third day of July, 2020. We're broadcasting to you today from North Central West Virginia. Going to continue on today in Chapter 7, the Book of Hebrews, talking about the priesthood of Melchizedek, a very, a very mysterious man who, who shows up. Uh, and brings bread and wine to Abram at that time was his name. Um, and he's a type of somebody. But before we get into that, let's uh, go to prayer. Precious Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to expound your word. We thank you that in today's world that your word is as stable as it ever was. Lord, you said that heaven and earth shall pass away, but your word by no means Whoever passed away, we know your word was stated in, in John chapter 1 is the Logos, which is a person, which is Jesus Christ. And we ask you, Lord, your anointing would be on this broadcast tonight, that you would anoint the ears to hear, touch hearts and minds and spirits. Father, we ask you, Lord, to reach out with your gospel and draw men and women in this hour. Lord, let us see. And look into our hearts and see our need for you within these very last days in which we live. And we just ask you, Lord, all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Okay, the writer, which I believe is Paul, is uh, in chapter 7 talking about the priesthood of Melchizedek, which he's talked about in Genesis chapter 14. Lot got himself in trouble. Abram, who always had a standing army, raised up and went and and uh, and uh, defeated the kings. And when he come from the war of the kings, this man, mysterious man, stepped out and the Bible says brought bread and wine to Abram, and Abraham paid him tithes. So who who is this man? There's much controversy about who he is. Some say. That he was a, uh, a uh, uh, that he was a what they call a theopathy, which is uh, Christ. But I believe that the scriptures point out he was a type of Christ. That Christ, of course, is greater than anything or anybody. But this man was um, a Canaanite. He was a Canaanite priest, and his name means uh, king of righteousness and king of peace. And he was the uh, uh, king of a place called Salem, which some called Palestine, and where uh, the the modern-day name is Jerusalem. He was not a Jew. Uh, He was called the priest of El Elon, which is priest of the most High God. We find out, we're going to find out that Jesus Christ is the high priest forever, once and for all. So this man, like many times through the Bible, God raises up a type of the Messiah or a type of Jesus Christ. He's coming back and he will be the high priest forever, once and for all. So, this Canaanite priest, if you study about the Canaanites, you'll find that, that, uh, that they were polytheistic, which means they had many, many, many gods. Uh, they had a god for everything, like, like a lot of nations did at that time, the Greeks, the Romans. But this particular man was, 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 was what, monotheistic, or he served one god. I said he was the priest of El Elon, which is priest of the most 
high God. Now, the Bible declares that Abraham, in John 8:56, Jesus was talking to the scribes and the Pharisees, and of course they was battling back and forth, you know, was he the son of God or was he not the son of God? They did not believe in him. They rejected him, and uh, they got mad because he made a statement that said, uh, before Abraham was, I am. And, of course, they mocked him and laughed, laughed at him. And uh, he, they said, you're, you, you're not even 50 years old. And uh, you say you, you used before Abraham. Well, they didn't see. They were judicially blinded. But Christ said, Jesus said in John 8, 56, Abraham or Abram rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. He was glad. So through the, uh, uh, the Holy Ghost given Abraham a revelation of the coming Messiah, which he did to Moses too. Moses said that, that, uh, that God will raise up one like me, but, but shall be greater than me. The Bible declares the government. I would need that. The government shall be on his shoulders. Of course, this is future. See, everything you see going on is temporal. Jesus Christ is coming back. And the Bible says when he puts his feet on the Mount of Olives that he would declare who he is. And he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, as John the Revelator saw, as Daniel saw, that he said the the kings of this world have become the kingdoms of God and his Christ. Now, the kingdom of this world, the modern-day economy, the system of the world, the Babylonian system, if you want to call it that, is not of God. The Bible states that Satan is, for a time and a period, the pseudo-God of this of, of this world. So he's pulling the strings of many. That's very, very evident. But the Bible declares, if you read the book at all, that in the end, the Satan will uh, meet his Waterloo so to speak. He knows his destiny. The Bible declares uh, that he and the false prophet and the beast will be cast into the lake of fire. Amen. So we're heading, for, we're heading rapidly towards what I believe the rapture of the church, the seven-year tribulation after the rapture of the church, the thousand-year millennial reign where Christ will come back, defeat the Antichrist and his hordes and his minions in a place called, called what? Megiddo which would be the battle of Armageddon, where the blood will be to the horse's bridle. And the Bible says the fowls of the air shall eat the flesh. That's going to be a pretty thing. But he's going to come back, and, and, and he's going to take it. For the kingdom of God suffers violence, but the violence must take it by force. See, men in their state of mind will not willingly give, give anything over to God. See, we, there, are, there, there are God-haters in the world, there, and there are, there are those that, of course, deny that the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I don't want to hear his name, but you can ignore him all you want to. But the Bible says, listen to me, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Above all things, all power and all dominion has been given unto him. The things in heaven, on earth, and things below the earth. So he's, he is the ruling king that's coming back. When? I don't know. And man, don't know, down through the years, people set dates and went off and, and uh, uh, lived in caves and started cults and all, and all this bunch of stuff and set dates. He's coming back on this such and such a date, but he's not coming back until the Father tells him to come back. So Jesus is coming. He's going to straighten out all this stuff. He's the Prince of Peace. There'll be no peace. Listen to me. There'll be no peace until he comes back. I don't care what man tries to do. The Bible said man will wax worse and worse, and iniquity shall abound, which is lawlessness. No regard for all. Okay. So we're going to talk about this man. And he was not a Levite, by the way. He was not, he, he was not a Levite, as Jesus was not a Levite. The Bible declares that he is the tribe from the tribe of Judah, and the scepter shall not depart from the tribe of of Judah. He will rule from Jerusalem, the Bible declares. I've said this many, many times on this broadcast, with a rod of iron. And that's future, but that's coming. Rapidly approaching. 
The Bible says when you see these things come to pass, look up for your redemption draweth nigh. So we're going to start reading there in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem or Jerusalem, priest of the most high God, El Elon, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. Now, the Bible declares, if you go back to Genesis 14, you can read that they tried to bribe Abraham. And Abraham said, the king of Sodom, I believe it was, said, we'll offer you this. And he says, he says, I will not go away saying that the king of Sodom made Abraham rich. He realized that his blessings come from the Almighty. Amen. It didn't come from him. He didn't want them. So here's here's this man. For this, who Mel, Mel, Mel what, Kizidak, which is what? King of righteousness, king of peace, priest of Salem. Now, in Genesis 14, let's just read there, and verse 18, and who, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was a priest of the Most High God. Same thing says in Hebrews. And he blessed him, who? Abraham. And said, blessed be, listen, there was some there was some stuff going on here. He saw some things. He discerned some things. He And he blessed him and said, blessed be Abram, he wasn't Abraham yet, of the Most High God. Possessor of heaven and earth. And you know the promises. What God told Abram. That look at the star. Look at the sands of the sea. That'll be your descendants. We're all children of Abraham. And blessed. Listen. And blessed be the most high God. Remember he's monotheistic. Not polytheistic. He, he didn't carry around a bunch of little statues. And he blessed be. And blessed be the most high God. Which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him tithes of all. Okay, we have a recognition of who won. Yeah, Abraham's standing army fought the battle, but the battle was won not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. That's a lesson to be learned today in this modern world that we. Wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and wickedness high places. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are what? Mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And we need to start pulling down strongholds, first of all, in our own lives. Amen. We need to pray the prayer of David. Lord, search me. And whatever you find in me that's not pleasing, get it out of my life. Give me a, a, a new spirit, a clean heart, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. He said, give me a right spirit, a true spirit. A lot of spirits running around today. Amen. And the Bible says, try him. Not Everybody says, Lord, Lord, shall enter in. Not every spirit that's speaking today or a man that is unctioned by spirits is the spirit of God. I just told you what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, structured kingdoms that dominate the heirs. A lot of people say, well, Satan is in hell. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's in the second heaven along with his his minions, those that do his bidding. And they're structured. They're organized. They have, they have uh, what's called a military term, chain of command. Okay, this is what's poised against every Christian. They cannot strange, Peter said, of the fiery trials. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, goes about seeking whom he can destroy and seeking whom he can devour. So this man was king of Satan, or what king of Jerusalem, priest of the most high God. Like I said, his name means king of righteousness. Salem means peace. In Isaiah 32, 17, the ideal king rules in righteousness, which assures peace. So the ideal king would be the king that follows after the ways of God. See, in Revelation 5, you'll see a picture of John grieving because no one was able to open the seals. And the angel of the Lord said, 
dry your tears up, John, because the Lamb of God, who was crucified from the foundation of the world, is worthy. And when he cracks the first seal, he starts to take the deed, the title deed of the earth, which Adam gave over to Satan. Satan, like I said, is the God of this world. He's pulled the strings of men for years. But there's coming a power shift, see, when these things come to pass. And when the wrath of God begins to be poured out, and God is refurbishing, reshaping the earth, and he's getting rid of sin. He's getting rid of unrighteousness. And Jesus Christ will come back to this earth and take back the earth. And this is, this is going to be final. Satan's end is not going to be good for him. Priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. Verse 2, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. Okay, so we've been talking about the tenth part, which is what, how we pay our tithes today. And this is first, the first mention of tithes in, in, in the Bible. And by the way, this was before the law, before the law. First being by interpretation of the king of righteousness. And after also king of Salem, which is king of peace. And Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 6, talking about the prince of peace, which is, like I said, this man. Don't forget this. There's a lot of strange things about this man. Maybe a lot of things we don't understand. But know this, that he is a type of Jesus Christ not of the tribe of Levi, and greater than Abraham. But there's going to come one greater than Melchizedek. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Isaiah prophesying of the coming of Jesus Christ, who is the Prince of Peace. See, this earth is heading... <laughs> You wouldn't know it by what we're seeing going on today, but this earth is heading for a peaceful situation. See, men, I've said this a lot of times, they're scrambling today to start their one world order. They actually think that they're going to usher in a Shangri-La, a utopia, that they're going to bring peace. It's not going to happen. Men can't do it. It's not in man to have peace. Without Jesus Christ, men are nothing. Without Jesus Christ, men are rebels, according to what the Word of God says. Okay, he goes on to explain here, this man, verse 3, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. Okay, now this scripture here, a lot of people say, well, he was a, what, theopathy? In other words, he was, he was Christ. Well, he wasn't, because the Bible says here that but made like unto the Son of God abideth a priest continually. Okay, he was continued in other words, he was a man without father, without mother. So nobody really got wrapped up in his where he came from. In other words, there was no record of his father or his mother. And neither having what beginning of days and that that you know that simply means that uh, there was no what genealogy in order just to to serve as a type, okay? He was mysterious. The Bible's full of mysteries. What did Paul say? Behold, I show you a mystery. Jesus said, behold, I show you a mystery. In other words, things that's hidden until a proper timing, amen? A proper timing or a, uh, a, uh, a what they call a kairos time, an appointed time. He said, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but was made like unto the Son of God, or likened to the Son of God. So he was definitely a type, a type of Christ, okay? Keep that in mind. Verse 4. Now consider how great this man was, okay? Unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoil. So here we see a man greater than this Canaanite priest was greater than Abraham. Abraham paid tithes unto him. In the spiritual realm, 
he was greater because he pointed to the Messiah. So the Bible says that Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Now, he, probably through this man, he saw the coming of the, what, the real Messiah, the type, a reminder. I'm sure his spirits witnessed this. This is the man. This is the king of peace. This is the king of righteousness. This is, this is where we're heading. God's plan to redeem man has always been through Jesus Christ, who was crucified on the foundation of the world. You cannot get reconciled to God unless you accept Christ. And there is no salvation without the shedding of blood. No remission of sin without the shedding of blood. So this man was great, okay? The Word of God says he was, greater than Abraham. And he was a man, not an angel. And was unto him, even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils, the, or the spoils of the war. And Abraham, of course, was father of the faithful, for he was what? Faithful, and God counted in him as righteousness. Verse 5. And verily, they that are the sons of Levi, listen, who receive the office of priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law, that is, of their brethren, though they came out the loins of Abraham. Verse 6, but he whose descent is not counted from them blessed, received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. Once again, this man who Mel, Melchizedek recognized Abraham for who he was, and I believe Abraham recognized him for the type that, that he was, a type of Christ. Just, just focus on that. You know, the Bible says the secret things belong to God, and he'll give them a as he sees fit. He's a sovereign God. He reveals as he chooses to reveal. So, but he whose descent is not counted from them, nor not counted from the Levites. He was, he, he was not a Jew. He was not from what? Israel. And blessed him. Blessed him. We, we, we read that in Genesis 14, verse 18. And down. Him that had the promises. Who had the promises? Abraham. Abraham. Romans 4.13. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world. Not to Abraham or to his seed. Through the law. But through the righteousness of faith. Through grace. Through what? Justification. Abraham faith. Believed God. And it was counted unto him as what? Righteousness. Okay. Verse 7. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed to the better. Who's the less? Abraham. Who's the better? Melchizedek. Who's better than Melchizedek? Jesus Christ. Amen. The coming Messiah. Type. God does this for a reason. To prepare. To show. John the Baptist showed up for a, a period of time. He says, I must decrease and he must increase. Now, when he said that, I don't know if he knew what, what was going to happen, but John the Baptist died. He lost his head. He completely disappeared off the picture. You don't hear about him again. And he said, I must decrease. So everything today points to Jesus Christ. All these types is Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So look up. Look to him. The author and finish your faith. Look up for our redemption draw. Draws nigh. Get to know him. The Bible says grow in the grace and knowledge of Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Hunger after him. Run after him. Chase him, so to speak. Desire him. He, he that hungers and thirsts after righteousness, which is Christ, shall be filled. And here are men that die, receive tithes, but there he receiveth them of whom it, it witness that he liveth. So, men that die, okay, Christ died, he, he what resurrected, and he lives, sitting at the right hand of the Father right now, making intercession for me and for you. And here, men that die receive tithes. Okay, once again, men that died. So Melchizedek was not only superior to Abraham, but he was superior to the to the, to the Levites. And he didn't come from the tribe of Levi. Of course, we you know we know Christ didn't. Uh, Aaron, the tribe of Levi, 
which also Moses was. Verse 9. And as I may as I may say, so say Levi also who received tithes, paid tithes to who? Abraham. So so out of the loins of Abraham come Levi, which we know come through Jacob. Verse 10. <clears throat> well, he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Met him. So once again, here, here we have a, a, a what progression. Of, even before the law was given to Moses, we have a progression of moving from law to grace through justification by faith, which we live under today. We don't live under law. The law is our schoolmaster. The law shows us sin, but we can't keep the law. The only one that kept the law was Christ. We can't be good enough. We can't do enough enough penance or or enough disciplines. What we do to please God is to believe. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. For you must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So in verse 11, we start talking about the surety of a better testament. Remember Hebrews? The book of Hebrews is all about better, better than better than the law, better than the old system, better than the blood of lambs and sheep and cows, better than the, the blood of farm animals. It's about the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood is forever. The blood that he put on the mercy seat, for the life is in the blood. And I put the blood on the mercy seat as an atonement. For your soul. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that cleanses white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Our salvation is based on the shedding of blood, which was introduced right after Adam and Eve tried in themselves to cover their sin, for they was ashamed with fig leaves. But God shed blood and covered them with the skins of animals. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. He showed right from the beginning what had to be done. Everything was pointing toward Jesus Christ, who, by the way, was crucified from the foundation of the world, which he was God's plan. And still God's plan. You can't deviate. You know, people are, oh, there's so many ways to God. No, there isn't. There isn't. Well, I've got to. Cl- you say you, you know. Well, you've got a closed mind. No, I read the Bible, and the, the Word of God says that if you don't accept Jesus Christ, you cannot come unto the Father. If you reject Him, you reject the Father. When you see Me, He says you see the Father. To be reconciled to God is to is to have the blood of Jesus Christ applied to your life. Verse eleven. If therefore perfection were by the what Levitical priesthood, for under it people received the law, what further need was there for another priest should rise after the order or follow Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? So God's call of the tribe of Levi was his plan for that period. That's what they did. They they served in the temple. They uh, they were the ones that was that that wasn't given any land. The word of God said they didn't receive any wages. What God told the priest, he said, he said, I'm your portion. <laughs> I'm your portion. I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. And they served their purpose. And like I said, this was before this, before, before the law. And now we've got this man showing up who definitely was pointing to Christ and not after the order, which Melchizedek was 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 a what a Canaanite, and Jesus Christ was from the tribe of Judah. He said, "If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, which it wasn't, because it's gone, it wasn't permanent. It was fulfilled by Jesus Christ." Hebrews ten four. It's not possible 
that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sin. So this system was merely a shadow of what was to come, pointing towards the priesthood of Jesus Christ, the final permanent priesthood. It represented a perfect system, but in itself was imperfect. It pointed to a perfect sacrifice that would take away sin, but was helpless to cleanse from sin. In other words, when they, when, when they killed their animals, they just covered it. What took away sin? The blood of Jesus Christ. Behold the Lamb of God. Who said this? John the Baptist, that taketh away the sins of the world. If the blood of animals would take away sin, they don't have to do it once. But they did it every year on the Day of Atonement. They did it every year. The priest would go behind the veil, offer the blood for himself, and offer the blood for the people year after year after year. But the Bible says when Jesus Christ shed his blood, the veil was ripped from top to bottom, which means he went once and put the blood on the mercy seat. No more need for any more blood because the blood of Jesus Christ took care of it, the powerful, powerful blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank God for the blood. We wouldn't be here waiting for the blood. Verse 12, for the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. So the Bible, was the law done away with? No, it was fulfilled. The word uh, means what? Removal. So the priesthood of who? Melchizedek was greater than priesthood of the Levites even greater than the law. And, of course, Jesus Christ was greater than who? Melchizedek. There's a progression. And Romans 6.14 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. You couldn't keep the law. I couldn't keep the law. Only one who kept it was Christ. So Paul wrote to who? The, the church at where? Galatia and in chapter 3, verse 24, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Fulfilled. Done. If people go around preaching, you've got to keep the law away from them because you can't do it and I can't do it and certainly they can't do it. We live under grace and mercy, but we don't use grace as a white license to sin. Shall we sin that grace may abound? Paul said, God forbid. Verse, verse 13, Hebrews 7. For he of whom these things are spoken pertain to another tribe of which no man give a, gave what attendance at the altar. Another tribe. Wonder what, what tribe? That would be the tribe of Judah. They weren't mentioned. They weren't mentioned when the sacrifice was given. But Jesus, who was also called the son of David, David was of the tribe of Judah. And Jesus is called the lion of the tribe of Judah, or the head. This was God's, God's sovereign plan that man might be redeemed back to him. The only way it can be done. <laughs> the only way it can be done. Now, people run around today, if you do this, you do that. If you do, if you do this penance, if you do this thing, if you turn around three times, whatever it is, do all these crazy things. Listen, the only way is Jesus Christ. Religious activity won't get you anywhere. Do you have your faith? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Is he the author and the finisher of your faith? Have you accepted him? Have you invited him into your heart, into your life? Is he Lord of your life? Is he king of your life? He better be because he's soon, he's a soon coming king to rule over everything. All dominion, all power will be given unto him. Verse 13. For he of whom these things are spoken pertain to another tribe of which no man give attention. Okay. Verse 14, for it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah. Who said that? 
of Paul if he wrote this book, which I think he did, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning the priesthood. Okay? So to the great Moses, I mean, great man of God. The word of God says he was he probably, probably the humblest man ever walked the face of the earth. God spoke to him face to face. They never told, told, told him about this because one time yet. So verse verse 15, talking about the, the priesthood of Christ is superior to all other types, entities. And it is yet far more evident for that after the similitude of who Melchizedek, there ariseth another priest. Hmm. Of course, that priest is who? Jesus Christ, who fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the law. He come. He he come and and, and he he even acknowledged the law. He done things like he, when he healed the lepers, he said, "Go to the priest and show yourself." Things under the law, but when he died, the law was fulfilled, and we live under a new testament, a new economy of God. We're living under now. We're in the church age, so we have to come before God with a broken and a contrite spirit, confessing our sins, asking Him into our heart and to our lives, and making Him Lord. Being born from above. There riseth another priest. Verse verse 16. Who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power, oh my, of an endless life. <laughs> after the power of an endless How can you make that statement? Because he's alive. But he died, yes, but on the third day he done exactly what he said he's going to do. There'll be no sign given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. In three days he lays in the fish's belly. He said, in three days I'll lay in the belly of the earth. On the third day I will resurrect by the power of God. Exactly what he did. Exactly what he did. And he says, by the Father's right hand, making intercession for me and for you right now. The power of an endless life. Think about that. And that power is given to us. So the old the old priesthood was weak, but as I say, it was important because it it was a pointing arrow. It, it, it was a map showing us to Christ, what was to come, and the power of an endless life. And and he was made the eternal high priest and the king, just like just just like this type was. He was king. He was priest. Verse verse 17. For he testifieth thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. That, that shows right there. Thou art a priest. Psalms 110.4. The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest or after the order of Melchizedek. Let's go back in Psalms. David in his own right was a prophet. After the order of who? Melchizedek. And 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 this order is addressing every man, woman, boy, or girl that was ever born. This is a universal call. Jesus Christ died for everyone, regardless of who you are, what you are. Jesus Christ died for you. And he didn't pick and choose, as some say. He died for all. Verse 18 for there, a, there is a ver, verily a what disannulling of the commandment going before, going before for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. Disannulling, what's that mean? That means tore down, or the end of the law, which was done by Christ. Do we recognize it? Yes, but we can't keep it. Christ did. In Romans eight three. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, weak through the flesh. Well, you know, like I said before, if it was so, if, if you know, if it was God's permanent plan, it don't have been done once, but it was done every year. 
For what the law could not do is weaken the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for the sin, condemn sin in the flesh. Verse 19. For the law made nothing perfect. Uh-oh. I'll read that again. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in, listen, of a better hope did by the which we draw nigh to God. We give the law its due, but we can't keep it. We can't follow it. In Acts 13 and 39, and by him all that believe are justified from all things from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. You can't say it any plainer. That's Acts 13 and 39. You could not be justified by the law. You're justified through the blood of Jesus Christ. We draw nigh unto God. Romans 5, 2, by whom also we have access by faith into the grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Jesus made the way into the holy of holies, which gives me you a, a, a point of boldness to go in and make our supplications known unto God. Verse 20, for inasmuch as not without an oath, he was made priest. Hmm. Not without an oath. So that means from the foundation of the world, simply put. Designated, which Christ was at the beginning. Matter of fact, Christ was the creator. All things were made by him and for him. In the beginning, God, or Elohim, the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and he was not ordained per se, but he was crucified from the foundation of the world. He was God's plan even before the beginning and in the beginning. Genesis 3.15, read it. Read it. Study that. Study that scripture. He was talking to the serpent. And he told the serpent, the seed of woman, the seed of woman shall crush your head. And the seed of the serpent shall crush his heel or bruise his heel. Verse 21, for those priests were made without an oath, this with an oath by him that said unto him, the Lord swear and will not repent. Thou art a priest after the order of Melchizedek. There again, we go back to Psalm 110, verse 4, which we've all already read. Verse 22, by so much was Jesus made a surety. That's a good word. Surety or a guarantee of a better testament. There's that word again, better, better. I mean, the plan of God. Hebrews 8, 6. But now hath he obtained a better excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of the better covenant and was established upon better promises. The word of God shows us that's better. And he has an unchangeable priesthood. In other words, it's an eternal priesthood, verse 23. And they truly were were what many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. Okay, there's a lot of priests. So they were inferior because they were flesh and blood, and they died. But Jesus Christ, who's alive and well, is eternal. You see? In other words, he's, if you understand this term, that I learned when I went to school when I played in the band. We need a what? Crescendo. In other words, something coming to a pinnacle, to a point. And Jesus Christ is the ultimate crescendo, the point. The point of grace, the point of mercy, the point of all things, the provider of all things. My, my, my. Our Lord, King of kings, our master, our leader, our guide, our helper, present help in the time of trouble. Look unto him, look unto him. Look unto him in these trying days. He promised he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Verse 24, but this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 20, of the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Verse 25, Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost. In other words, it's done. It's finished. Jude 124. 
Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present your present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. <laughs> this is good stuff. He's saying he forever lived to make intercession for us before them. Romans 8, what, 34. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yet rather that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. What's good? Right now, making intercession. Verse 26. For such a high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. What, 27, who needeth not daily, listen, as those highest priests who offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he done once when he offered himself up. First of all, he didn't have, have, have to do it for himself because he was perfect. In Hebrews 9, 28, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many or all, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. You can't change this. This is, this is done. This is in granite. This is the plan of God when he offered up himself, or he atoned for all sin on the cross, sins past, sins present, and even sins future. Oh, that gives me a right to go sin. No, it doesn't. No. But if you do, you have an advocate with the Father. And the Bible says, confess your sin and they shall be forgiven. If you are, if you want to sin, if you practice sin, you might have a problem. You might not be saved. You probably aren't saved. Because if you're a child of God, sin, 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 sin should bother you. Amen. There, there, there should be a, a feeling of regret and guilt, I guess. Amen. If you, you know, if you practice sin. But see, we have a faithful God who forgives us of our sin, of our shortcomings, of our faults. We have them. We have them. But if you get up in the morning and write out a plan to sin that day, then we'll check some, check some things out. You're willfully sinning. And the Bible says you trod, you trod the blood of Christ. Or you re-crucify him. There remains no more sacrifice for sin. Amen. That's the only sacrifice there is. That's all you need. So God's a holy God. He had to have an answer for sin. He knew men could not keep himself from sinning. So he sent his only begotten son because he loved the world. And he went in our stead. And he conquered death, hell, and the grave. He, what, took away sin. He's our perfect lamb, our perfect high priest. The Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. And when God the Father looks at us, he sees Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ, which makes me and you justified by faith in that finished work. Nothing else that we do. Nothing else we do. It's it's praise God, justification by faith and nothing else. <laughs> Plain simple. Well, I believe you know. No. Justification by faith. Faith in Jesus Christ and faith in him crucified. But what about what about it? The church today is rippled with the traditions of men. Men running around, doing this and doing that, thinking they're thinking they're they are what? Trying to please God. But the Bible says the only way we please him is believe him and believe in his finished work. Believe in his plan of salvation. Who needed not day as high priest to offer up sacrifice for his own sins and, and for the people's as he did once and offered up himself. Verse 28. For the law, listen, make its men high priest. Listen, which have infirmity or imperfections, just like preachers do today. But the word of oath, which was since the law, or fulfilled the law, maketh the Son, or Jesus Christ, who is consecrated forevermore. The finality. When he bowed his head and said, it's finished, you might say, well, yeah, that's where he died. Well, there's a lot more to that. The work of grace had been completed. The Bible says he put to open shame every power 
every principality. He answered every question to man's dilemma, which is sin. He covered every sin except for the blaspheme of the Holy Ghost, which is man's choice and disregard for God. And, and, and a man, one boy girl, that denounces the plan of God through who? The Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this, so this what new covenant is perfect because of the perfect work that Christ did on the cross, which he's consecrated forever. There's no more need for another sacrifice. When, when these people down through the years have said they're the Messiah, you got people saying that now. You can, you, you can bring up YouTube with some of these crazy cults. <laughs> I mean, it's a shame. It's almost laughable, but, but it's a shame that people can be so deceived saying that they're Jesus Christ. But why should we be surprised? Because the Lord said, in these days, many will say, lo, I am here, and lo, I am there. But he said, go not. When he comes back, the second time, at the battle of what Armageddon, every eye shall behold him. Men will quake at him. Tongues will confess that he's Lord. Knees will bow, my Lord, and say, this is the Son of God. We didn't believe him for all these years, but there, there he is. There he is. Because the power of God, there'll be, praise God, going on that day. Praise God. That will spring forth from the Son of God. The Bible says we go from glory to glory to glory. Upon his vestures written the name King of Kings, and Lord of Lords. Out of his mouth shall come a sharp two-edged sword, hair like wool, the Bible says, and, and the feet with brass and, and eyes like fire coming back with judgment and power. No, no mistaking who he is. Look around. He's coming soon. I don't know. I don't know. But the Bible says, search out your own salvation with trembling and fear. When you see these things come to pass, look up because your redemption draws nigh. You say, well, those same things. No, no. We're living in very, very different times. I've never seen a time like this in, in, in my life. My dad's 91 years old. He said, he said, I've never seen nothing like this. Nothing. Nothing, nothing. Unprecedented. Perilous. Times of deceit. Times of lawlessness. Call on the name of the Lord. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God Almighty raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Let's just go to Romans chapter 10. We'll just read that verse, verses. Bear with me one second. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thy heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Man, we need saved. In times like these, we need a Savior. In times like these, we need an anchor. And that anchor grips and holds that solid rock, and that solid rock is Christ Jesus. He said, upon this rock I shall build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He's the foundation. He's the hope in these last days. He's your strength in these last days. He's your answer to your fear to your oppression, to your depression, to whatever you're fighting, to my Lord, we live in a world that's addicted to everything. He's the answer. There's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, to break every fetter. The word of God states this. I didn't. The word of God says it. You believe that God have raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes under, under what righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. This is a universal call. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now how then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So you've heard the word of God tonight. What are you going to do about it? I'm giving you the answer. 
You know, that's a pretty big statement. But he is the answer. When he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, that's exactly what he means. He said, I am that I am. That means I am. He's everything. It's all in him. All power and all glory is given unto him. You say, well, you talk a lot about him. That's because that's what it's all about. That's what the gospel is all about is Jesus Christ. <sighs> Setting by the right hand of the Father, making intercession. The types we just talked about tonight, the types down through the scriptures that point to him. I just told you tonight, Abraham rejoiced to see his day and saw it and was glad. Read that in John 8, 8, 8.56. Cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. Be careful or be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer and supplication, make your needs be known unto God. And 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 the God of all peace and all understanding shall keep your hearts and your mind through Jesus Christ. When you don't think your mind can be kept, he can keep it. When you don't think there's a way, he can make a way. When you don't have any strength, he can give you strength. Paul said, it's not me that lives, but Christ who, who what lives in me, that I might know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. It's not Christ that lives, it's his strength. He, said, when I, he says, when I am weak, he is strong. Maybe you've just said, I need help. There's your help. He's your only help. That's permanent. The only help that can seal you by the power of the Holy Ghost, the only hope that you have of spending eternity with Christ is through him. To be transformed into the kingdom of God. The Bible says when you accept Christ, we are translated or taken out of the powers of darkness, out of that realm, and transformed into the glorious majesty of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you know him? Do you know him? The song said, do you know him today? Please don't turn him away. You say, well, i got to do some things. No, the other song is just as I am. Nothing you can do. You just come before him. He's, he, he's the cleanser. The Bible says in the Old Testament, like, like a fuller soap. I think that's like lye soap that they used to make years and years ago, which takes your skin, but it would clean you up. What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Call on him. Call on him. Jesus is coming real, real soon. Things are happening that's never happened before. Things are what? I believe they are what? Speeding up, accelerating. Seek him while he may be found. Precious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word for your spirit and for your power. We just ask you tonight in Jesus' name that you touch every person that hears this broadcast tonight. You see every situation, every circumstance. We ask you to save souls, deliver and set free. And we know you're going to hear their cries when they're broken and contrite, when, when they bow before you, when they admit who they are and what they are without you. Lord, you're not done. You're going to heal. You're going to deliver. And we ask you to move in this nation, move in the church world, show your hand. You said in your word your, that your hand's not shortened and neither is your ear covered or cauliflower, that you cannot hear the cries of those who call upon your name. And we call upon your name tonight, thanking you, praising you, God. Lord, we haven't made it yet, but we have confidence if we keep our eyes upon you that we will. I thank God tonight you're in charge. I thank God tonight you're still in control. As things, Lord, look out of control, you're still in control. And we'll give you praise, and we'll give you honor, and we'll give you glory for what you've done. In Jesus' holy and righteous name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless till next time. Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want He maketh me to lie down in green pasture Leads me beside the waters of rest He restores